Hey, I'm Sailor, and it's another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey. Let's get ready to rock. Yes, and for the listeners that might be new to the show, we sometimes compare two albums from one artist against each other. We discuss, usually argue, and very professionally debate the merits, and in the end, only one album or artist will reign supreme. And guess what? We're actually doing just that tonight, friends. We have a rather big battle in front of us. Um, We are attempting... A show first here. We're attempting to battle four albums from one artist. Yes, we're doing that so that we don't ever have to discuss Molly Crew again. Just kidding. <laughs> sort of. It's Let's talk about which albums we chose for this battle. We will have three rounds. So first it will be Shout at the Devil against Theater of Pain. And then we will have Girls, Girls, Girls versus Dr. Feelgood. And we will see which two make it to the final round. And then ultimately which one wins in which three go home. I can't kind of wait. a mini bracket, yeah. so to speak. Oh, oh god! Yeah. Speaking, Speaking of, of brackets, brackets. <laughs> nice segue so there, Ed. <laughs> oh fuck's sake! Let's, oh god, why did we so, ever do this? Here we are for our weekly metal rocket madness therapy session. That's what we should start <laughs> calling it. That we should, because I feel perfect. like it is always me trying to talk sailor. Into not going crazy. Mm-hmm. And actually, after this past week, I might just be going there myself, too. <laughs> <laughs> and most of our hardcore listeners. So th- things have been things have been pretty interesting. Um, for those of you who have been following along, obviously you know. At the beginning, on day one of this bracket, we had the upset of all upsets as the Red Hot Chili Peppers defeated Metallica by a resounding margin. Disgusting. By a disgustingly resounding margin, yes. Thank you. (laughs) And we were in for... Although I really wasn't surprised, but I guess I was surprised, again, a resounding victory in round two for them over Black Sabbath. Now, I don't... I guess it's just who they're facing that is really bringing a lot of attention to this because they knocked off two favorites to win this whole thing. Two legends. Two legends, two favorites... Um, and there has been some venom aflowing on Instagram about this, and I love it. I mean, the whole, I mean, don't get me wrong. Um, we're kind of, you know, we're supposed to be down the middle about this. We're supposed to be impartial. It is up That's to you, the listeners. The fuck, we're not impartial. It is up to the listeners to choose the winner of this. Yeah, but we don't have to be impartial yes. in our comments. We don't have to be impartial in our thoughts and feelings and opinions. We're just not voting. I'm getting there. I am okay. getting there. So, (laughs) (laughs) there's been Venom flowing. I have tried to redirect a lot of it away from us toward a certain Instagram group 
that has been uh, ritualistically stuffing our ballots every time the Red Hot Chili Peppers are are in a battle, if you will. Um, yes, the Chili fans have found our Instagram feed. Yes, yes they, and they are, are taking it. advantage of it. Yes. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I just want to throw my arms up in the air and say, what the fuck, people? What the fuck? Metallica and Black Sabbath? Are you kidding me right now? You can give me all... Now, this is where I go off the cuff here, off the script. This is where you can give me all the reasons in the world while you're a Red Hot Chili Peppers fan. There is no way on this fucking earth that that band should be beating Metallica or Black Sabbath. Or Motorhead, or Rush, or Rage Against the Machine, or Def Leppard, or anybody. I said Def Leppard. <laughs> can I tell you that you, can I remind you, just let's just pause here for one moment. I want to remind the listener how the Red Hot Chili Peppers even made it on to the Metal Rock and Whiskey podcast at all. Can we, would you, anybody? Anybody? Yes. Care to explain? Yes. Go ahead. I believe it was one Mr. Bourbon Spartan who insisted on bringing them on the and show. And who agreed with him. If the listeners can see, I'm hanging my head in shame right now. <laughs> As you should. And who completely disagreed and didn't want to cover them and said, save it for when I'm unable to make a show. And you were not on that show. <clears throat> nope. I was not on that show because I did not want to cover them. So all of this madness that is happening, all of this chaos is your fault, guys. It's all your fault. Fuckers. All right. Well, let's break up this pity party and get to our battles. But keep voting, guys. Yeah, keep voting. Keep voting and stop throwing your venom at us because it's not our fault. And it's not my fault. And to the guy who is running the Red Hot Chili Peppers Instagram account, I have emailed, I have sent you a message in English and in Espanol. So you need to get back to me. We invited you on the show to be a guest. We'll be very nice to you, I promise. I won't even curse at you. I'll just curse around you. So you should get back to us and be on the show and tell us why. You believe that the Red Hot Chili Peppers really deserves those accolades. The ball's in your court, me, Hermano. Oh. Let's talk about whiskey, please. For God's sake. Oh, let's do let's it. fucking talk about whiskey. Well, I can exhale now. Oof. All right. So what is everybody drinking tonight? Edward? Well, as everybody remembers... Because everybody that's listening to this listens to our MRW Monday show, right? Yeah, right? it better be. Ding, ding, ding. Anyway, the whiskey pairing tonight was a Macallan variety. Well, I'm not really into scotch. I don't have any Macallan, but I do have a McKenna. Specifically, <laughs> a Henry McKenna. <laughs> Bottled in bond. Good one. Aged 10 years. So, that is what I am drinking tonight. And that has become... I've been a fan of Henry McKenna 
for a few years now, and it's been become quite the hot item as I knew it would. I know, I really love it too. For 30, 30 bucks, man, that is like one of yeah. the top three buys yeah. that you can have in most stores. For mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Totally agree. What about you guys? Well, I am drinking because of our special whiskey of the week. I'm drinking a Macallan. I am not drinking the Macallan that Matt paired with this subject. Um, but nonetheless, I'm drinking the Macallan 10. It's pretty much, I think, it's just like a the daily drinker for scotch lovers, would you say? I would say so. Sure. Price really right. Um, it was the first scotch that I would actually feel comfortable ordering and appreciated the flavors. Um, and, uh, it has just a little bit of interest to it. So it's a little extra than like, you know, maybe a monkey shoulder or something a little bit finer. So I really, I really love the McAllen. And we should be calling it the McAllen. The McAllen. The yep. McAllen. The... <laughs> Matt, are you drinking your whiskey carry? I am, of course, drinking the McAllen edition, the edition number two. (laughs) Well, I think we should get into the Molly Crew subject. Let's Let's do do it. it. Ouchie. 
Strong words, Rolling Stones. Yeah. Strong words. That was back then, though. That was back yep. then. Yeah. But in modern times, there are just tons of musicians now who feel that without this album, a lot of the great hair metal bands would not have come out at all or even formed, possibly. Um, Satchel of Steel Panther said, quote, Theater of Pain was more of their glam look, but Shout of the Devil was such a great record. It was fucking sick. They set the bar. People looked at that and said, fuck, we gotta dress up cool, man. And, quote, well said, Satchel, I think. So this album was ultimately awarded four times platinum, reaching the four million mark in shipments on May 15th of 1997. That's pretty impressive for way back in 1997 even. That's, um, yeah, I was, I was I really surprised, so. to be honest. Like, I could see it hitting that mark in the past few <clears> years, but damn. Um, Nikki Six had this to say in 2000 about this album. He said, when a band like us put out Shout of the Devil and the label does zero marketing, zero publicity, and takes zero trade adverts, and you sell five million records, everybody starts patting themselves on the back, but it's Motley True that did that, not Electra Records. So that well is said. a little summary about this album, Shout of the Devil. What are your thoughts, guys? I'm familiar with several songs off of this album, but I've never actually listened to the whole album before from beginning to end, and I'm glad I did. Ooh. What changed your mind about it? I didn't really have an opinion before, so I didn't really have a mind to change. Oh, so not nothing? You had to be Okay. Because the songs that I heard off of it I really liked, but I just never heard the other songs. Matthew? It's a solid... Um, I'm with Ed now. I had not heard this album from front to back. Obviously, um, the couple hits on it I've heard. But it's a solid It's a solid album. But, and as I will say later, when we get into the other albums, it's not the sound that I'm familiar from. Like, like I'm not familiar with this particular crew sound. So mm-hmm. I think that where I was introduced to them might have been a little bit later on. Um, but all overall solid album. Um, you know, I give it a C plus B probably. Um, there's some misses in there. Obviously shout devil's a great song, but, um, yeah, I mean, solid. So I remember hearing this album way back in the day. Um, not in 1983, because it would have been way too young, and totally I wasn't listening to something called Shout Out the Devil when I was like eight or nine or whatever, but um, probably a couple years later, and I think it's because I heard the song Shout Out the Devil, and then I saw the cover of it, and I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, <laughs> and I, re- I remember at first when I was like flipping through the albums and looking for it. I was like, oh, who are these ladies? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. And because I think this was my first exposure to glam, I'm pretty sure with yeah. my crew. Um, and then I realized it was dudes. And it's funny because I've heard other women say this. 
And immediately, I just when I realized they were dudes, I went from, oh, who are these ladies, to, oh, those guys are hot. I don't, <laughs> I don't know how you just flip that. I don't, I don't know. These guys are so how, pretty. They're so unrecognizable <laughs> compared to how they looked later on, you know? Yeah, right. I mean, seriously, Tommy Lee and Vince Neil on the cover of the album straight up look like they could be on RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes. Like, seriously. And well done. Well done. That's what's so fucking creepy about it. Reminds me of the the cover of a uh, Poison's album. Uh, Look what the cat. Oh, same did. thing. That's another one. Yeah, I had a. Yeah. T- I was wearing a T-shirt once. Um, Look what the cat dragged in, and my one of my grandmothers. I don't know what. I came in to like say goodbye and leave, and my grandmother was having her bridge ladies over, and she said, "Oh, let me see your bill. Who are these? Who are these girls on your shirt?" And I was, oh. They're not girls. They're guys. Okay. Oh, so annoying. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, they're hippies. And then I was like, that's it. And I just stormed out. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure, <laughs> grandma hippies. Um, so I I was a fan of this album when I first heard it. I, I, will, there's, I will say this, that I didn't wasn't exposed to a lot of other metal at the time that I found this. Um, so back then, Matt, I know you hate it, but it was considered metal. I know it's silly now to think about it like that, but um, I really did like this album. Going back to it, I see a lot of problems with it, um, but it still has a place in my heart. So... That's Shout of the Devil. All right. So, Theater of Pain is the third studio album by Motley Crue, released in June of 1985, in the aftermath of Vince Neil's arrest for manslaughter on a drunk driving charge. The album marked a step away from the traditional heavy metal sound of Too Fast for Love and Shout of the Devil towards a more glam metal-influenced style. Theater of Pain contains the hit singles Smokin' in the Boys' Room and the power ballad Home Sweet Home. The album reached number 6 in the U.S. charts and number 36 in the U.K. Home Sweet Home is now considered one of the greatest rock and roll power ballads of all time. And if you're talking power ballads, I would agree that's up there. Yeah. Um, incidentally, all of the lyrics on this album were written by Nikki Six with the exception of Smokin' in the Boys' Room, which, of course, is a cover. Mm-hmm. Um, so the band had to fight for the song to be included on a record. Um, Six said, Our record company back in the day, Electra Records, we, tu- we turned in, Shout at the Devil, and they rejected the album, he said. They said they didn't like it. It didn't sound like the, the album Too Fast for Love. We changed the logo, and we changed our look, and so we said, Fine. Then it'll go to another record company. So Electra put it out after all, and it sold 4 million copies. Electra was about to go bankrupt at the time, and that saved their ass. And then when our next record, 1985's Theater of Pain, got turned in with Home Sweet Home on it, they rejected that album. They said, this is horrible, <laughs> and you have to take that song off the record. You guys aren't a ballad band. That's why you never Ooh. listen to the record companies. Never, Ooh. ever, ever. Critique your These fucking guys, music. Dude. I mean, 
ballads from this point on ballads would be a freaking well, staple exactly. of all these exactly. bands exactly. they yeah so we did the same thing he continued to say and so we came out with smoking in the boys room and that album blew up and then we wanted to release home sweet home as the next single and video and the record company said no way no way so we funded it we shot the video ourselves it went on mtv and of course the rest is history fucking imagine imagine the label saying so vehemently saying no to that yeah hindsight being 2020, that was... oh, Man, they were going bankrupt you know for what? a reason. <laughs> and it's a good thing they didn't actually stop them from going ahead that, and, and That's going exactly what I was too. thinking. And it's a good thing that they have... Well, we'll get into that. They're very, they've yeah. always been very good businessmen. I, I will right. say that about Wally True. Um, and he, Nikki Six goes on to say, continues to say, uh, that song Home Sweet Home was never a hit single. And they never, they never worked it at radio. They never promoted the song. And if it wasn't for MTV back when they used to play videos, that song wouldn't be the song it is today. You know, yeah. And right. a lot of people can say that about MTV. Right. MTV did a lot for a lot of little-known bands yeah. and little-known yep. songs, and just songs that weren't very popular for bands like this that were already right. popular. Yeah, but that song's kind of like our Dream On, he continues to say, our Stairway to Heaven, right? Uh, Dream On was not a hit single either. And so finally, this album was certified quadruple platinum by the RIAA on June 5th, 1995. I just can't, I cannot imagine <laughs> what they heard in Home Sweet Home that was any worse than any other song they had done. I don't get what they didn't like about this album coming off of I, coming off of Shout the Devil. This is progression any way you look at it, in my opinion. Right. Well, this album, I don't think I liked it quite as much as the previous album, Shout at the Devil, but it's still like, you know, the, that Brownsville station cover, Smoking in the Boys' Room, it, as far as covers go, that is a great cover. Mm-hmm. It really I love is. that song. I've it always really loved is. it. Yeah. And um, Home Sweet Home, I enjoy that. I enjoy a good ballad now and then. It's not like I listen to ballads constantly on rotation, but every once in a while, that's a good one to, to go back to. And there's another song on here I really like, too, called Louder, Louder Than Hell, mm-hmm. which I thought was a pretty cool song. And there's a bunch of uh, good songs on here that I really liked. And again, this is the first time that I've ever listened to this album uh, all the way through. Um, and uh, again, there it's it's a pretty solid effort. And um, I'm curious to hear what, what Matt thinks about it. I'm in agreement with both of you, actually. Um, you know, for me, anyway, going back to what I said about uh, Shout Out the Devil, um, it was not the Motley crew that I was 100% familiar with. As, a, as Sailor said, they're starting to progress in their sound a little bit. Mm-hmm. We're starting to hear on this Just album. A Just a little bit. No, Just it's a not a huge bit. progression. Yeah. We'll get to a bigger progression later. Mm-hmm. But... Um, for me, this starts what I consider their that classic sound, which is a little bit of blues in there. Um, you're starting to hear that on this album. The catchy lyrics, a little bit more of an edge. Uh, so yeah, I mean, again, just like the previous album, solid album. I will agree with you, Ed, as well. I'm not a huge power ballad guy. Uh, 
call it call it not growing up at the time when those songs were huge, I guess. But I would say that this is definitely one of the better ones that was ever released. I would definitely agree with that. Um, so again, solid album. Give it a B. Tim, for me, this album is about the time it came out as well, the time that I was exposed to it. Um, this was the first album of Motley Crue that I was exposed to, and then I would go on to, you know, like you often do look for their previous stuff. Um, I think it was, must have been MTV where I heard Home Sweet Home first, and I was like, just immediately just like, and the video, I'll have to say, has being exposed to the video before, for example, the song on the radio, the video was so well done as far as evoking the emotion of the song. I don't know if you guys remember the video. It was like yeah. footage of them on mm-hmm. stage, footage of like them concerts. on concerts, yeah. you know, in the tour bus. And um, mm-hmm. it gave you that feeling like, you know, yeah, I just, I just want to be home. And um, this has been great, but I'm homesick. And, you know, everybody can connect to that. And uh, then I heard Smoking in the Boys' Room, and again, that video for <laughs> of the Boys' Room. Oh, my God. <laughs> Do you remember that video? Yes. <laughs> fucking terrible. Yeah. I mean, terrible, um, but but it was cool. It seemed cool then. Uh, how And I, <sighs> Louder Than Hell, I do like. Um, for me, there's more hits for me on Shout of the Devil than there is on Theater of Pain. But I do mm-hmm. really like all the songs on Theater of Pain. And it's just, it was just a really, it was a great album at the time. So, yeah, the, this this one was will be tough for me, round one. So we should probably just get into it. Yeah, you guys, now that we've, we've yeah. gone over both these albums... Yeah. Uh, are we ready to cast our votes, or do we? Is there anything else we want to get out into the air? This is, we, uh, it was a tough one, but I'm ready. Yeah, I'm ready too. Yeah. I think that generally we say, you know, I don't know, you know, we base it on you know, songs and popularity, and I don't know. Uh, let's just get into it. I don't right. think it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I guess I'll start. Uh, for these, me, these two albums. Um, I enjoyed them both, but for me, Shout at the Devil had a clear edge over Theater of Pain. I think overall, um, I enjoyed more of the songs. More to me, there's like four four clear hits on this album as opposed to three that were on uh, Theater of Pain. And amongst the other songs... Um, and overall, I just think that, uh, Shout of the Devil was a better overall album. And I also like the beginning of the album, which I think inspired the beginning of a later album, which we'll be talking about. Okay, Matt? Uh, I'm going to have to go in the opposite direction and say Theater of Pain. Ooh. Um, because of that slight progression... Um, in sound and if we're breaking it down by songs you know I have to go with the two hits from each album um, and I'm not I'm like I'm gonna exclude home sweet home on this but if you're talking shout at the devil and their version of smoking in the boys room as much as this pains me to say I don't think I could do without their version of smoking in the boys room over shout at the devil 
So I'm going to have to go with Theater of Pain on that one. All right. Split down the middle. So it seems that I am the tiebreaker. Pressure. So I love Shadow the Devil. Um, I cannot do without Home Sweet Home and Smoke in the Boys Room, though. Um, it just, those two songs near the epitome of Motley Crue, even with their later albums, I would still say these are their most iconic songs. I know a lot of people may feel like Dr. Feelgood is, but for me that's all garbage that came later. I think Home Sweet Home, Spoken in the Boys Room are the two icons of Motley Crue's career, and that's in my opinion. So I have to go with Theater of Pain on this. Alrighty. So it looks like Theater of Pain wins. Theater of Pain and it's going goes on, on to, to the, the final. Yeah. Okay. Are we ready to continue? We are ready. Let's go, Matt. All right. What do you got for us next? So Girls, Girls, Girls is the fourth studio album by Motley Crue released in May of 1987. The album contains more bluesy style than their previous albums. The record also has the hits Wild Side and Girls, Girls, Girls. The record also reflects the band's rock star lifestyle, pays homage to their love of riding motorcycles, as is clear by the album cover, drinking whiskey, using drugs, and strip clubs. All great things indeed. (laughs) (laughs) The power ballad, You're All I Need, tells the story of the death of a lover, and the song Nona is a tribute to Nikki Sixx's grandmother, who died during the recording of the album. For this album, they received the largest recording budget so far. This album finally received some positive reviews from the critics. Girls, 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 Girls continued Motley Crue's commercial hot streak, eventually going quadruple platinum, Meanwhile, the title track brought their brought them their second top 20 single, and Wild Side became a very popular video on MTV. The album peaked at number two on the Billboard charts. On the week, it probably would have reached number one. Unfortunately, Whitney Houston's second album, Whitney, debuted at the top of the charts. The album was also the band's third straight album to go quadruple platinum. I think this album is proof that sex, drugs, and rock and roll definitely sells. Uh, I'll say the word. No <laughs> shit. <laughs> oh my god, this album! Holy oh shit. yeah, talk about so being a front-heavy album. Oh yeah. Um, when this album came out, it, this was all. This was an interesting um, time for me. I was at this point a huge Molly Crew fan, um, and I, you know, got this album. And listened to it constantly. And I, I remember waiting in line to get it when it came out. And I listened to it ad nauseum. Um, my mother was like, turn that shit off and play, play it over and over and over. I, I was super into this album. Uh, I wasn't quite paying attention to any of the, the, to the subject matter really. You know how you can just sing along to shit and not realize what yeah. you're singing along to? Um, because this is subject matter that, you know, being a young teenager really isn't the best thing to be running around singing, but whatever. Um, I I think, though, this album killed Motley Crue for me, which is a weird thing to say because I loved this album so much. 
Um, and it's hard for me to put my finger on what it was that I liked so much about this album. The Wild Side. Wild Side is a great song. Oh, yeah. I mean, awesome it really song. is a great song. It's, yep. I think what they're really good at is these fun, fast, sing-along songs. Yeah. Um, like, I can remember years later being in a college bar when I was in college, and this song came on, and everybody's, you know, singing the chorus to it together in the bar. Like, everybody, no matter what you looked like. Because back then, that was a... a qualifying factor, you know. Um, you know, the jocks, the these kids of that. Everybody knew it. They're very good at those songs. Um, girls, girls, girls is just hook, hook, hook after hook. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of rhyming in there. Uh, and then um, I also thought that Bad Boy Boogie was a really good song. Um, and as a teenage girl, so when the album, well, before the album came out, they were interviewed about it, as it was coming out, and Nikki Six did this whole interview about losing his grandmother, and she was his first love, and she raised him, and she passed away, and he wrote the song Nona, so us girls used to lay there and listen to, to Nona, and she's like, oh, spoon, um... <laughs> I well, that kind of explains it for me because I was wondering, like, what kind of a song is this? It was a weird a freaking uh, I know. Motley Crue album, well, you know, especially one called "Girls, Girls, Girls." She died know. while they were recording it, and he actually didn't make it to the funeral or didn't uh, go to the funeral. Okay, so you know, it was a very, very, very bad time in his life, but um. This song, I mean, this album has got, kind of got it all. For what you want out of an 80s, I don't know, we still call this metal album. I mean, obviously these days we call it a rock album. This album has it. To me, this is the pinnacle of Motley Crue. This is them finding their sound, still having an edge, singing about whatever the fuck they want to sing about, which is exactly what they were doing with their lives uh, at the time. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know. Well, let's, let's, yeah. uh, the, there's one L, one uh, track in particular that I don't know if anyone could get away with it <laughs> nowadays. Yeah. It's called All in the Name of. Yeah. Now, we've had other bands Ooh. like Winger and the Stray Cats talk about 17-year-old but yeah. this out this one we're talking about 15 they come out and say i'm like i think that's mm-hmm. a bit much we're treading into pedophilia i think territory here so it's so yeah this song is yeah. fucking disgusting Treading or diving yeah. right in you know <laughs> yeah pretty pretty so innocent brings me a dirty dirty magazine they say basically hey uh, look at my pictures in this porno mag and it's like oh you're 15 who's putting you in a uh, dirty magazine <laughs> Yeah. For sex, I sell my soul. Says to me, Daddy, can I have some candy? Want to be your nap? Yeah, they can can erase the song from history, (laughs) I'm concerned. (laughs) They really, they really should. (laughs) But again, you know, back in those days, there I was singing along to that song. Like you said, you're a a young teenager, you just sing along, you don't really think about the (laughs) lyrics. I was always the same age. (laughs) Yeah, I think I was probably the same age. But anyway, but the rest of the album is good. 
<laughs> I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, I think this is this is the album I think that kind of put Motley Crue on the map for me as far as recognition. Oh, yeah. I mean, I did, you know, my introduction to Motley Crue was like you, Sailor, smoking in the boys' room and home sweet home and those videos on MTV. That was my introduction. But once Girls, Girls, Girls came out, that was like, this is it, man. This is freaking awesome. I love this yeah. this band. Because it's the, like yeah. I said, that was such a catchy song. Um, and yeah, they, they used to, it got a lot of heavy rotation on the radio, on the rock radio stations at the time. Oh, yeah. They, I mean, at that point, they were all over the place. They were the big, they were just one of the biggest bands ever at that time. I mean, they were fucking massive. Matt? So, despite my, some comments I made about certain, this genre or subgenre, whatever you want to call it in particular, there are certain albums that you hear growing up and having two older brothers, there were many, many albums I heard coming from their rooms. And, you know, two of them that I remember most, obviously Kill em All from Metallica and Girls, Girls, Girls from Motley Crue was probably the second one most that I remember them listening to and over and over and over again. Um, so for me to not to, you know, to kind of take what Sailor said, uh, this is their pinnacle of their sound to me. I mean, this is classic Motley Crue. This is what, this is what made me detract a little bit from the first two albums that we talked about, because this is the sound that I know of them to be. And I know that they're, We'll get into it with the next album, but kind of teetering on that edge a little bit, but they just were in the pocket here so well. And I think that they found their sound. They found their groove. You mentioned the hit songs. Uh, what, what more can I say about that? But this album, it just holds a special place in my heart just for hearing it so many times growing up and, you know, saying the same thing. Look at these badass chicks on these motorcycles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Are these the girls they're talking about in the yeah, song? Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, just, just great stuff. And just, it brings back a lot of memories. And uh, this is the edge that I was talking about that I think that separated them from a lot of their contemporaries mm-hmm. albums like this. You know what's Pedoph- funny is- pedophile stuff aside, obviously. Oh, pedophile, of course. Well, yeah. when we were talking about lyrics, so in the song Girls, 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 they mention several strip clubs by name. And I, of course, had no clue what they were talking about, except for when they said the dollhouse in Fort Lauderdale, because mm-hmm. my grandparents were snowbirds, and so we spent a lot of time in Florida, at their house in Florida, in Fort Lauderdale. And I was a very, very um, difficult young teenager and the Fort Lauderdale Strip was the place to be. It was Sin City of the South at the time. This was, you know, back in the day before they made all the spring break laws. And um, I would go with a girlfriend and we would, you know, we would sneak into the clubs and bars. And um, we knew um, a guy who had a car. And one night, you know, we were just going to go cruising around because Hey, kiddies, that's what you did back then. Those yep. that just sit on your phones. We used to go cruising around in our car. Yep. Back and forth, up and down the street. Um, but we, he was like, oh, I'm going to go. Uh, I think he said he was going to pick up some weed from his friend or something. 
and his friends happened to be, um, I have a feeling he was either a dishwasher or swept the floors or something of a strip club, and right next to that strip club was the dollhouse. So when I realized, <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> and then I looked at the lyrics and the tape case a little bit, I scrutinized them a little bit more, I was like, oh, that's what they're talking about. <laughs> but it seemed cool at the time, you know? I don't know, it was of the day, like, being a stripper seemed like a glamorous career. What did I know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Should we get into the last album Make us feel of this good, battle? It pays the bills. <laughs> oh, Jesus. That, that wasn't a very good transition. <laughs> I think nothing my, good about this. my potential stripper days are probably over. <laughs> Dr. Feelgood is their fifth studio album. It was released in September of 89, and it topped the Billboard 200 chart and was the first uh, Motley Crue album that was recorded after, I'm going to say, their first attempts at getting sober, in air quotes. Um, in addition to being Motley Crue's best-selling album, it was decently regarded by critics, and, and fans saw it and often will say that they think it's their best studio album. Uh, so, our good friend, producer Bob Rock, oh, Bob. <laughs> Bob, was the producer on this album, and boy, do we love him here at Metal Rock and Whiskey. Well, some of us do. No, we don't. Uh, and it seems he found... <laughs> Sailor doesn't. <laughs> One of us we're, does. We're going to leave it right there. Um, it seems that he found working with Molly Crew was very difficult. Shocker. He described them as four L.A. badasses who used to drink a bottle of wine and want to kill each other. So to minimize the conflict and allow production to proceed smoothly, uh, Bob Rock had each member record their parts separately. Very interesting. Instead of giving the band um, a glammy sheen, as Tom Worman did on Theater of Pain and Girls, 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 Bob Rock EQ'd the guitars with um, ample low-end and plenty of mid-range, so even the singing song numbers have a gritty sound to them. We're going to talk about that in a minute. That's an interesting thing there. Um, so again, Nikki Six wrote most of the songs for Dr. Fielded after going through rehab and getting clean and sober for the first time. Mr. Steven Tyler of Aerosmith sings the backing vocals on the song. I did not know that. Did you guys know that? Yep. I heard it sounded like him, actually. I was yep. wondering. Yep. Yep. Um, so Stephen Tyler was a friend of the band. Um, they had shared many, 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 many drinks, or we should we say bottles of booze together throughout the years. Um, there are actually a lot of guests on uh, this album for backing vocals. Brian Adams, which I didn't know, um, Cheap Tricks vocalist Robin Zander, huh. and guitarist Rick Nielsen. Wow. Yeah, I, I didn't know any of that. <clears throat> so, Dr. Feelgood and Kickstart My Heart were nominated for Grammy Awards for Best Hard Rock Performance, and um, they lost twice, though, to Living Color, which is, I, 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 I <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> I love Living Color, but, but yeah. they're not, yeah, why were they up against each other? Anyway. Um, they won an American Music Award um, in January of 91 for Dr. Feelgood as the best 
hard rock, hard rock slash heavy metal album of the year. Dumb again. Um, Doctor Feelgood has sold more than six million copies in the U.S. date. It went gold in the U.K. And in various interviews, members of Motley Crue have stated this was their most solid album, and they think it was because of their sobriety or half sobriety at the time. So, oh boy, Doctor Feelgood. I'm going to let you guys go ahead. Well, first of all, this was the first. full album of theirs that I listened to and I actually purchased this album when it came out. Um, and I've always loved, loved this album. Some of these songs on here four in particular, I don't love nearly as much, nearly as much as I used to. Um, in fact, I kind of, they, they've really kind of lost their, their shine for me, but t- for me, Dr. Feelgood, Kickstart My Heart, Same Old Situation, and Don't Go Away Mad, Just Go Away are four of their, those are four of their pinnacle songs, in, in my opinion. And you got all four of them on this album. Um, Without You and Time for Change are decent ballads, not quite as good as Home Sweet Home, but they're okay. Um, and I really, I love the intro to this album. You know, you hear the the radio chatter of the, you know, the EMS and, you know, finding a kid with OD. And and it kind of reminds me of, I think they might have, Bob Rock might have said, hey, that was really cool how we opened up the Shout at the Devil album. Let's try to do something similar. And uh, so I thought that was really cool. But, um, yeah, really like this album. Um, Overall, like I said, there's some of these tracks... Like slice of your pie, rattlesnake shake, sticky sweet. She goes down. That really don't hold up for me, but the rest of the songs, I think, very solid. I don't know why this analogy just popped into my head, but I think it's a good analogy for this album. Um, you take something of value to a pawn shop and it's antique and it's worth a lot of money and you go to sell it. And one of the first questions they ask you is, oh, say it's an antique gun or something. Oh, did you clean it? Did you clean it with a wire brush? And they said, well, don't clean it because it might hurt the value if you take some of the patina off or whatever. To me, Bob Rock is a polisher. He takes things that are of value that are probably better off with some age on them, some wear and tear, a little rough around the edges, and he polishes it to a fine, perfect, almost, um, to, to its detriment sometimes, um, polishing it to just a fine, nice, beautiful coat. And that's not always the case, and sometimes with these artists, they don't need that. And I think that they took what they accomplished with Girls, 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 and he polished it and polished it and polished it until it just doesn't do it for me anymore. And he did it with another band that we all love as well. And it's almost the same thing. Um, the hits are here, obviously. Catchy stuff. But it's just it's almost just too clean and shiny for me, if that makes any sense. Absolutely, it does. Yeah. That's why I want to go back to this statement um, that Bob Rock said, you know, I EQ'd the guitars with Ample Lowen, Funny Mid-Range, 
so even the same songy numbers sounded great. I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. <laughs> to be honest, I, I just don't hear that at all in this album. I think Girls, Girls, Girls is way more grittier than this is. I think this is so commercialized, and that's I'm just kind of reiterating in a different way what you said, Matt. Is it's it's to me he just took he took the grit out, yeah, and shined it up. He commercialized it. He made it palatable and watered them down for the masses, and that's what he does. And that's okay. That's a formula. That's his formula. He's very good at it. Fine. Um, I don't like it. Uh, Dr. Feelgood annoyed the fuck out of me, and it was on the goddamn radio every five fucking seconds. It was on the fuck. This is my senior year in high school. It was on MTV every five fucking seconds. Kickstart my heart. The first time I heard it, I was like, "Oh yeah, this is fast as fuck." Now, mind you, at this point, I'm I've already been way into thrash for a long time. Two months after Girls, Girls, Girls came out, I was told you I was obsessed with that album initially. I threw it in a drawer and didn't pull it out again, maybe ever, because I just got heavy, heavy into. I got more into heavier music, and this just sounded too candy to me when I would go back to it. So when this album came out, I was really like, what the fuck? Um, also, without you, Jesus, every fucking girl I knew. Oh, it's my favorite song. I'm going to call the radio station and dedicate it to my boyfriend. If any of you are old enough to remember Friday nights, depending on the city you lived in, and there was a, I think it was a Friday night request line. There was a syndicated. Yeah, there yeah. wasn't there a syndicated uh-huh. one nationally as well. Um, so in your town or city or whatever, your radio station on Friday nights would have what Ed just said, Friday night request line, and you could call up and say, "I want to dedicate the song without you to Matt, and I want him to know that I'm really sorry that I." Gave Bobby a hand job in the back of the gym last week. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was literally, I remember one night, the local DJ said, you guys, I cannot play without you eight times in one night. You have to come up. With <laughs> the hand job in the gym. Oh my god. I'm oh, kidding, sticky I'm sweet. Kidding. Oh, <laughs> boom. Damn. And then she goes down. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh my god, that song. But girl, don't go away, Matt. Just is that like away. a. Is that. At the, at the beginning of that song, is that like someone's fly being unzipped? Is that what that's supposed to be? I think that's what it's supposed to be. Oh yeah, my god. Yeah, so stupid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then this, the same old situation. Really? It's the same old situation. Oh, vomit. Um, I do not like anything about this fucking album. I think Kickstart My Heart was the only thing that had potential. And to be honest with you, the rest of the album ruins Kickstart My Heart for me. If the whole album was like Kickstart My Heart, I think it would have been a fucking great album. Because again... That's a super stadium rock song. It's a great sing-along song. It's a great, like, fuck yeah, let's kick ass song. But Dr. Feelgood was so lame. I just felt like 
it was so trying to be this very drudgy, bluesy, hard rock. I don't know. It's almost like they realize, oh, we're not a metal band. We're a rock band. So let's stop trying to be a metal band and just go straight rock. And it's just, they should have just kept doing what they were doing. They're, they should have just stuck to their original formula. But once again, my feelings do not uh, mimic the sales of the record. My feelings are not in line with the rest of the fans in the fucking world that made this their best-selling album and the album of all time for them. I think I'm just the type of person that feels like um, pain equals art. I think often, unfortunately, artists do their best work when they're not well, when they're not healthy. I think this is something that the thread in a lot of the stuff that I prefer is I think I prefer the realness and the rawness and just some of the fucked up magic that comes out of being fucked up when you're an artist. I just, I mean, we can relate this to painters and, you know, writers and, you know, musicians alike. Um, they got clean in their music. They, they got clean. They got Bob Rock. They looked at Metallica. Oh, you got clean. You got Bob Rock. Cool. We're going to do the same thing. Metallica me, got therapy and then they got St. Anger. Yeah. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> Another fucking barful. Uh, anyway, um, so Sailor, I think I, I think Ed wants to rebut. So I'm, um, <laughs> just it's it, it's not very clear to me which album of these two do you uh, like? Yeah, I'm. Oh, I'm gonna have to, which are you voting? I'm gonna have to think on it for a while, but I'm gonna go with Girls, Girls, Girls. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering about that. <laughs> How about you, Matt? I second that motion wholeheartedly. Yeah. Girls, okay. girls, 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 girls. Where are you going to go it, for Dr. As, as much as I like the album Girls, 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 um, I'm going to have to be the one dissenting vote here, and I'm actually going to vote for Dr. Feelgood because wah, wah, wah. I do think it's a good album, and I do like it despite some of the songs in there that aren't that great. <laughs> the, to and, me, the four anchor songs just do it for me. I mean, she yeah. goes down. He makes you feel all right, man. <laughs> That's it. He makes you feel all right. He makes us feel nauseous. It's feel fun. Nauseous, completely nauseous. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so look what we have here, my friend. We have. We have theater of pain against girls, girls, girls. That's painful. <laughs> wow. And in both cases, you two both chose the same album. <laughs> I know. <laughs> So is this harder for us or harder for Ed? So <laughs> I think it'd be harder for us. Uh, so this is going to be tough for me because the two, the my two top two albums were both the albums I voted for. <laughs> so now it's like my go putting my number three against my number four. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for me. Um, who wants to oh, go first? Geez. Who wants to? Matt, you go first. Yeah, because I think that I made my case pretty strong for what album I feel is their best and my favorite, and it's it's Girls, Girls, Girls. Definitely, I have a personal connection to it. I think it's their uh, their pinnacle of their sound, and that's that's their best album by far for me. Yeah, um, it's it's pretty clear for me. There is really no contest um, between the two albums, Girls, 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 and Theater of Pain. I'm going to go Girls, Girls, Girls all day. So I'm going to say two things that pushed it over the edge for me, because this, I 
Um, I anticipated, I tried to anticipate all the ways this could go down and what I would do, so I would be prepared for this. Um, in the song, Girls, 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 there's a solo by Mick that is just fucking killer. Also, the Girls, Girls, Girls video, where he's sitting in the dressing room performing that solo, and he's not acknowledging the strippers, and they're not acknowledging him, is one of the fucking coolest shots in a video, especially an 80s hard rock video, ever. It's just, it's so fucking cool and of the moment and of that time. So, um, that, that pushes me over the edge. So I'm going with girls, 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 and so. Well, we have a winner. Sometimes yeah. knowing too much can kill it. I mean, they're kind of um, uh, they're they're a unique exactly. they're a unique band because you know some most of the times you always get one ego. Sometimes you get two. This band's got three big three. ones. Yeah. Three. Yep. three, and then yeah. you have the human puppet. So. The human puppet. <laughs> the yeah. human yeah. puppet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that was so. I, I, I had enjoyed it more than I thought I would. It was good for me to go back and listen. I spent the week just listening to nonstop Motley Crue. Robin yeah, wanted, me too. Robin wanted to kill me. I was like, video <laughs> yeah. games with you? And he was like, all right. Um, yeah. If anyone looks at my uh, Apple Music playlist, they'll just see Motley Crue, Motley Crue. Same, same with my Spotify, exactly. I just thought, oh, well, it's going to be obvious what we're doing. But I tell you what, it's been a long time since I've really listened to Motley Crue. Same, same. And I'll admit, aside from, you know, the individuals, as a as a band, it was a lot of fun. They were a, their and music that's what is a lot were. of fun. fun. Band. Yeah. And they're a good band. I wouldn't say any of them are like to die for musicians and certainly we all listen to very technical music and, you know, things that are just of a different echelon. But this is just fun rock and roll. I think yep. that's how you can sum up Motley Crue, is it's just fun eighties and I think you always have to say eighties, in my opinion, with them. Dr. Feelgood came out in 89, you know, so... That's when it happened. They're the epitome of the 80s for me. So I think they're just a fun, great 80s stadium rock band, a great band to party to, sing along to, you know, it pumps you up. So, yeah. And all and all those pieces fit, you know, they all fit yes. to make it happen, amazingly enough. All right. Well, that was a great show, and if... You enjoyed this. We ask you to please join us next week, where we will be back with another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey. But until that time, have you been listening to anything besides Motley Crue <laughs> that you want to talk about? I know I haven't. 
I was listening to more of Nikki Six podcast because we've been covering Motley Crue, so that's why I started listening to it. Okay. Um. So yeah, I've been kind of I was binging on that a little bit just to give myself a break from the music, and I, it made me like him a little bit more. <laughs> it helped. It, it certainly okay. helped. Well, I can go on for days about what I'm about to say now, but I'm going to try to keep it as brief as pos- possible. Is it about wrestling? <clears throat> no. <laughs> this is something that you guys, the three of us, are all interested in. Okay. Uh, but when I was in New Jersey, uh, my brother and I were both huge Star Wars fans, and we share a common opinion about the latest movie in the trilogy and what a pile of garbage it was. So... Uh, we went down this rabbit hole. We found this five-part series on YouTube. It is called The Last Jedi and the Fall of Star Wars. What? So it's a... Yeah, it's a... Uh, the the gentleman who does uh, does it review the film, he watched the original trilogy. He watched The Last Jedi four or five times back to front, and he created this five-part uh, YouTube video series where he dissects everything about the movie that is wrong and that does the disservice to a true Star Wars fan. And it is very super interesting. Very, very interesting. Um, so I would suggest, you know, there are about 30 minutes each each part. What's it called? Um, it's called The Last Jedi and the Fall of Star Wars. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's what I kind of expected it would happen eventually. Anytime you, ca- you take a, a cherished movie series, then all of a sudden you start bringing in all these other writers to carry it on eventually someone's gonna screw the pooch and yeah it finally happened but it um, it goes so many more deeper layers than i would have ever imagined on my own aside from the mm-hmm. obvious problems that we had with it um it's 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 an interesting watch and i think if you can get you know 10 minutes into the first part i think you're gonna want to sit and watch the rest of them <laughs> yeah i'm gonna definitely check that out. i'm yeah. gonna check that out too damn yeah mm-hmm all right, so I'm really, really excited to talk about our new Patreon page and um, what that means. Have you guys checked it out yet? Yes, I have. Yes, we have. So um, we've been talking about uh, doing a Patreon page, I think, for a long time, right? <laughs> yeah, we we were since the beginning. <laughs> we started it. And then it kind of, we just kind of dropped it and decided to focus more of our energy into the show yeah. and actually making a good show and fearing we could, you know, maybe do a Patreon later as soon as we had a solid uh, listenership. And I think we're at a good point now. Absolutely. And that. I also wanted to make sure that we could offer fun, cool stuff to our Patreons. Um, and we've come to a point also in our podcast where. We're kind of growing. We've been growing steadily. And just recently, we've kind of had a little bit of a, of a boom. And we would really like to take this podcast to the next level and do some more cool things with it and bring you guys, um, you know, interesting content and new stuff. Um, so here is how it works. You can go to patreon.com slash pod. I know that's a lot. We'll put it in the show notes. We'll put it on our Instagram. Um, and you can choose to support us um, monthly. And there's several several different levels that you can do. 
even just a dollar a month is really huge for us. Um, you can view via jukebox hero at five dollars a month and you get um, a special metal rocking with whiskey uh, sticker and pin pack directly from me. And um, I'm actually going to be packing up all of these goodies for all of our listeners, um, the special notes. Um, and you might get little special things thrown in your package. Um, and uh, you can be um, the ultimate thrasher at $10 a month. And uh, all of your friends will know you're the coolest. You'll get um, a special sticker and pin pack and a special whiskey glass from me. And um, we always give our Patreon shout-outs on the show. Um, something that I kind of hesitated talking about publicly, um, but I've been encouraged by um, my friends and supporters, and I'm so appreciative, is that I am battling health issues, pretty serious health issues, and um, it is affecting um, my day-to-day life. And I'm going to be having some surgery and... Um, a pretty long road to recovery. Uh, so now is definitely the time where we could use your help as much as possible so that I can keep podcasting. Um, this is something, a project that I am so passionate about and I wanted to do this for years and I'm so appreciative that I get to do this and I would like to have this to look forward to and continue the madness, um, as you say. Uh, and another very cool thing that I'm going to announce here, and the guys don't even know that I'm going to announce this, but we are going to be coming out with a book. That's right. We will be releasing our own book sometime, um, probably early summer, and uh, it's a collection of our whiskey pairings from the year 2018. Um, I was looking back one day, uh, and uh, realized, my God, we did a lot of whiskey pairings last year. Like, a lot. We have recorded almost consistently every single week for a year straight, and almost consistently had a different whiskey feature. Uh, so we're going to take a snippet about the band and the whiskey companion that went with it and um, put that in a book so that we can have that for... Um, ever and ever and ever, and we will be offering that to our Patreons at a discounted price, and we will be selling it on Amazon as well. So I am very excited about that. It's going to keep me very busy while I am on the couch recouping. Um, if you know me, you know that the thought of me being tied to a couch for <laughs> months is going to be fucking hell, but I am not going to lose my mind. I am going to focus on my project so that I don't go crazy and murder everyone. <laughs> Looking forward to seeing that for sure. And that's why we love you. <laughs> yep. So please check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash pod. We appreciate all of your support. And let me just say two shout-outs from our first two Patreons, which is very mm. exciting. Um we have one of them that is a friend of mine who would rather remain anonymous, so we're just going to call him Anonymous One. He is a super cool guy, um, and he uh, gives me a lot of shit about our fucking Metal Rock and Whiskey Madness Bracket Challenge, almost <laughs> on a daily basis. Uh, 
So I thank you, my friend. You know who you are so very much for your support. And then um, our first ever Patreon was Eric. And Eric is a super awesome dude who is a musician himself and um, a good friend of mine and a big supporter of the show. And I cannot tell you guys how much it means to us and how much we appreciate it. So even if it's just a dollar a month, it would mean the world to us. Um, and I'm done being nice now. And that's the nicest I've been for the longest I've been ever on the show. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. because we're not talking about our brackets. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk about brackets anymore. <laughs> But seriously, thank you guys so much. And yeah. I also, thank you. thank you for the well wishes that everybody has already been sending me. Um, I'll be having surgery in a couple of days. And uh, it really means a lot to me. I was very moved by all of the listeners of the show that reached out to me. So thank you so much. And to all of our listeners, our fellow Metal Rock and Whiskey Obsessors, we value your opinions and your feedback. Find us on Instagram at Metal Rock Whiskey. Send us your love, your likes. Please share your thoughts, reviews, questions, suggestions, concerns, and comments about the show. You can also follow us individually on Instagram, yours truly, at the Whiskey Obsessor. That is Whiskey, save the E, Ed. They can find me on Instagram as well, at Bourbon Geek. Sailor? You can find me on the internet all over the place as Sailor Retro. Oh, man. I'm not lying when I say this was a lot of fun, guys. And I hope you all enjoyed it as much as we did. But now, my glass once again is empty, and it's time to go. Be sure to tip your waitress, and we are out. Fuck you, then. Ooh. Bye, everyone. Later, everyone. I love you more than my girl.